everybody today's episode is brought to you by the raven cafe located at 142 north cortez street in historic downtown prescott arizona i love this place i eat there all the time and let me tell you why the raven cafe features a full all organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. to the Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey everybody, today's guest is the loveliest human and an accomplished actress, Marin Dungey. The pandemic has not slowed this powerhouse actress down one bit. She just booked a new pilot for stars with Courtney Cox, Greg Kinnear, and Oscar winner Mira Sorvino, as well as a reoccurring role on the upcoming season of Lucifer. Fresh from her strong turn as C.J. Emerson on ABC's limited series, The Fix, Marin was then also seen returning to the critically loved Emmy-winning HBO series, Big Little Lies, as Detective Quinlan, and had scenes with Oscar winners Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, and the legendary Meryl Streep. They were nominated for a SAG Award for Best Ensemble. Marin has jumped from series to series, including turns as CEO Claire Thorpe on Fox's The Resident, and several ABC series such as roles on Once Upon a Time, Conviction, and the acclaimed action drama Alias. Dungey has a veritable jaw-dropping list of television guest star roles ranging from her groundbreaking turn as Francie Calfo, Alison Doran, in the critically acclaimed award-winning show Alias, and as one of the queens of darkness, Ursula, in Once Upon a Time. Marin has guested on many hit shows like Seinfeld, Friends, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Episodes, West Wing, and Shameless, but also has an astonishing record of reoccurring roles on Chasing Life, Brooklyn 99, Malcolm in the Middle, Revenge, and most recognizably, over 35 episodes of The King of Queens. She's an accomplished stand-up comedian who performed in Montreal's Just for Laughs Festival, as well as on Premium Blend on Comedy Central. In the feature film world, Dungey has also recently had roles opposite Pierce Brosnan in Some Kind of Beautiful and in the Warner Brothers comedy Chips opposite Dax Shepard. Dungey is a UCLA Theater School graduate and the youngest recipient of the UCLA Annual Acting Award as well as the Natalie Wood Prize. She resides in the Hollywood Hills with her two children and rescue puppy, and can usually be seen working carpool at the elementary school. To learn more about Marin Denji, please see our show notes for links to her Instagram and Twitter accounts. 
Hey, everybody, we are in for another fantastic episode of the Creative Convergence podcast, and I am so beyond thrilled about today's guest. I've been chasing her for months because she's just a very hard woman to pin down because she's brilliant. She's a mogul. She's an actress. She's booked things all over the place all the time, and you have just heard her bio, obviously, because I read your bio ahead of time. Maren's sitting right. Maren Denji is here. She's looking at me right now as I'm looking. <laughs> she is the most lovely human being. We met in the most random way, and I've just adored her from the moment we met, and she was kind and lovely enough to say, yes, Candace, I will come talk to you for about an hour, and I'm so glad she's here. Hi, Marin. Hi, Candace. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so sorry it took like 100 years for us to make this happen. Listen, like I said, mm. you're a mogul. You're busy. Life gets busy. I totally understand, but you're here now. <laughs> I'm here now. Yes. So yes. we are going to start at the beginnings of you. Where were you born? What was your family like? What was little Marin like from like zero to toddler, five, six, seven? What kind of little creature were you? Uh, I was, I was born in Highland Park, Michigan. I remember none of it because I was, we left there when I was two to go to Sacramento. So that, that's my upbringing is Northern California. And I had an older sister and we, and we, I still do. And my best friend. We were very, you know, um, you know, uh, I hate the word, like just, just curious and playful. I mean, I definitely have always been uh, a showboat. Like I always needed to, you know, um, make people laugh. And uh, I love doing ballet. I did ballet since I was five. And then I did piano and, and you know, ballet, like all, all kinds of performing, ice skating, anything that was, you know, a thing. So you started really young with that. Did you have parents who were like entertainment were they musical were no. they artsy were they athletic no. who was shaping and guiding these interests my mom is was a ballet dancer like she loved to dance and then and she was a teacher um not a ballet teacher but she was a, a school teacher and then she started teaching ballet at my school like we had a we went to a gifted program and they had like an arts special arts program so we had music and drama and dance and my mom was the dance instructor um so uh you know she led the charge on that but you know i I always wanted to, I got my taste of like, like doing a show, a play when I was in sixth grade and I was Lucy and you know, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Yes. And I was like, that's it. I bet you were a but fierce Lucy. <laughs> I was like, I, I was you so like, fierce that I blew my voice. I blew my voice up like, like hard. Cause I was just singing for my life, you know? Um, but I, uh, I thought I had to be. <laughs> I thought I had to be a doctor because my initials were MD. Like I thought that that was what you had to do. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I was born to be a doctor. Apparently, just uh, put on this earth. Which my parents would have been thrilled about because they really wanted us to be, um, you know, a professional. And um, <laughs> neither my sister not, nor I were interested in in that. Um, and she, uh, like when, when we were little my mom had to buy us separate TV guides, like fall preview TV guides, because we both needed to pour over and discuss what we were going to watch. And like, I mean, it was an event. Like it was a very big thing. We've always been like crazy TV people. Um, and my sister, she went to UCLA before I did and went into the film program. And then that was my plan. You can't do it until you're a junior. Right. And, um, I, uh, right before I went, I had auditioned for something and uh, first of all, I did a teen talk show called scratch um in town which I got to interview like Paula Abdul and like you know talk about the prom and like just dumb shit like that and it was super fun 
And then I auditioned for something like a John Robert Powers. Like they had like a, you know, these LA agents. I'm like, okay. And so I watched this Whoopi Goldberg special, which if you've never seen it, like, you know, ghost and color purple, obviously amazing, amazing, amazing. But like, she got her start from this special. Have you ever seen it? Uh Uh-huh. I have seen it. Yeah. All right. She was hilarious when she was... it, but brilliant. I mean, like Steven Spielberg saw that and was like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, and she does these five characters right? that are so interesting. And, you know, God, it was, I mean, she was like a minute big. Like she was just this, like, you know. Anyway, um, so I I love that thing. And so I memorized one of her monologues, <clears throat> the one where she's the, the crippled right. character and then she unfolds. And uh, can I say, is that like a word? You can't, you can't <laughs> handicaps? She was, Disabled? Disabled. 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 I don't know if there's any anyway. like negative connotation to being crippled other than I think it probably sucks if that has been your experience. I, well, I retract the word crippled I mean, okay. and I replace but it now. I, now with I'm just disabled, curious though. Is, like, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, like a... everything is, <laughs> I don't know. We're I all just doing our best, Mary. We're all just doing our best. Oh no, I was talking about the movie Under the Rainbow and I said it has midgets in it and people are like, you can't say midget. You can't and say I little people. You have to say little people. <laughs> I totally hear you. Anyway, she plays a handicapped character. And so I memorized this and I, I, you know, I took most of it, you know, there's, it's really long anyway. So I went and I did it for this agent and the lady was like, how long have you been working on that? And I said, since last night, and she went, can you hold on? And she ran and she got her partner. So then I had to do it for him. Like I just blew everybody's head. They're like, call yes. us and get it to LA. Like it was just the thing. And then ultimately they, you know, kind of blew me off. But then when I got to UCLA, I became friends with all the theater people and I started auditioning for stuff and I kept getting cast. And I was an English major. Like I just came in under whatever because I didn't care because I was like, I'm going to go do film. So let me just, you know, which is a trick, by the way, to get into school. Or at least it was that. Like just put it under something <laughs> random that nobody's going to do. Everybody, everybody puts like sociology or, you know, political science. It's like, no, 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 no. You've got to just say like literature. Yeah. And then you can change it. <laughs> uh, we are getting so, so much good advice today. <laughs> hot tips. So I, um, so I, I, uh, I kept auditioning for things and then, um, and I kept getting cast. And then as a sophomore, first I got into the uh, acting awards as a freshman, which is supposed to be for the seniors and graduate students. And as a freshman had never gotten in. And I did that Whoopi Goldberg monologue. Whoop, whoop. And they were like, what? And I remember like Jack Black was a friend of mine. We were like all there together and him like cornering me like at, at the event. He's like, you got to win. Like we are winning <laughs> for you. It was the whole thing. Um, and I didn't win that year, but the next year I got in and we actually took that Whoopi Goldberg piece and worked with this other guy. And we like made like a, like a piece around those things. It's very powerful. It's a very powerful yeah. thing. And, you know, years later I ran into her when I was, I ran into her when I was, uh, working an event as like a, a college student. And I told her how I did this thing. And she's like, you have my permission to use it anytime. Amazing. Which is amazing. And then I talked to her years later when I was on conviction in 2016 and I was doing Good Morning America 
And one of the publicists was uh, publicist for the view. And I was like, oh, like a whoopee. And I tell them the story and they're like, Oh my God, well, you should send her a message. So I sent her this tearful message of like, I wouldn't be here in this moment if not for you and what you've, uh, you know, which is and then so she sent me true. One back. Dude, I'll send it to you. She sent this other, she sent this message back. It was so beautiful. And was, uh, I just, yeah. You know, just like it goes around like the, you are supportive and, you know, thank grateful, you know, people respond. I am so glad you started there. I do want to go. The reason being is because I, I love knowing that like right out the gate, anybody who's listening is like, oh my gosh, because often I talk about, I mean, not often, I, I always talk about the journey with people and it's, and it's these minuscule moments that always kind of add up and come back to us in a circular fashion that end up being these really right. poignant moments that shape a lot of who we become and our ultimate plan and life plan and why we pursue the arts and all of these things. I want to back up for just a minute and talk kind of sure. about like your junior high, high school years. And mm -hmm. when you kind of figured out in, in your younger years being bitten by the bug, that it became an interest for you. And then I want to talk about kind of like the concept of college and studying art and what that kind of journey was like. If your family was like, you will go to college. If you and your sister were like, we want to go to college. If you have any thoughts about going to college versus not going. So I want to jump into a couple of those things just because mm -hmm. when I get to speak to an artist of your prominence, I think some of the things that we tend to highlight are all these beautiful accolades that matter so heavily, but oftentimes we don't get the opportunity to ask someone like yourself to go like, talk me through the process of becoming the person who figured out I'm going to art school. I figured out I'm going to put literature. I figured out I'm going to, you know, I became the freshman who was, you know, exceeding everybody else. Right. How did those moments get developed in your younger years? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, I grew up in a, my parents moved us to, um, the suburbs, um, because, you know, we were, it was the seventies. And so, you know, civil rights movement like had just gone down. And so my parents were the kind of people, both of them are very, um, raised by themselves. Like my dad was like raised by his aunt, uncle, his like dad died when he was young and his mom wasn't around a lot. And so my parent and my mom was sort of her, her, her mom died really young too. So they're, they're these pe people who are born of a lot of tragedy and um, uh, like, you know, how they survived all of that. I don't know. And then they move us because my dad got into McGeorge law school. And so they were like, we're going to give our kids everything that we never had. Right. Now, some of that, well, I mean, both my sister and I are like very successful in what we do. Um, my sister is now the first black and female chairperson of Warner Brothers of a studio of a studio. Shit, yeah, she is. Heck yeah! And that's after becoming like she's the new Peter Roth. And that's after being the first black female black person ever, and female. No, uh, I think another female had that, but the first black person and and uh, a female who um ran a network she ran abc amazing and then and quit wonderful. like ultimately like never got fired like she was the first person like five five presidents to not get fired so um <laughs> we have like a lot of like win yeah like we got to go but that is born from feeling very different and feeling not good enough and uh, being in an all-white neighborhood with all-white friends at all-white schools, you know, we would be like one of like four kids. Yeah. And being called Oreo your whole life, 
and never fitting in and not having the right hair or the right jeans or the right whatever. And, uh, you know, so like underneath it all is the, you know, just this, I'll show you the fight, you know, yeah. that just the fight of like, mm-hmm. I was, I, I, I dated an Olympic athlete, uh, a, a little bit ago. And we, what we had in common was that sort of like, I got nothing left to lose kind of vibe. Like that's what it takes that like, that, that, you know, he would quote like that. It's that thing from officer and gentleman, like, why are you still here? And he's like, because I got nothing, I got nothing left to lose. Yeah. Like I got to just, you know, and there's a lot, I remember another girlfriend asked me this same question of like, how did you, how did, why we both went to UCLA? Like she's like, why, why you ultimately? <laughs> like, because I fucking, you know, can I cuss here? Cause I did. Oh, of course um, you can. Um, and I'm okay. just to be clear, I would, I hope you understand that I am not asking why you, <laughs> I am asking because I, oh, I know my question asking. is why not you or anyone else? It, you, or, no, you're asking, tell the people how you did it. Yeah. Like, that's what you're asking. Yeah. Her question was a little more like, we both were at the same place at the same time. How the, how'd you do it? Right. And it was, and like, you grew up rich in Washington, DC. You know, you didn't have, you're white and you grew up rich in Washington, DC. You did not have, uh, I have to do this or I will die. Right. I will, I have to do this and I have to be great at it. And uh, luckily enough, I was talented and uh, willing to learn and willing to take notes and willing to show do up the, and be in it. Uh, now, how did, but so just to that point, when did the bug bite you where you did say, this is what I'm doing versus, it was, oh, I'm supposed to be a doctor or something else? In, all right, so both my sister and I went to, to UCLA with the intention of like, there are a million jobs that people can do in the film and television field. We will learn a job, a skill. So then you come out of there like, I'm a gaffer. I'm a DP. Like she thought she was going to be a DP. That was what she was working on. Like her final project she shot, you know, yeah. um, until she started doing like a, like a critical, uh, like writing class and in, in screenwriting and her, uh, what she her critique of others was so extraordinary. The teacher was like, that's that, there's a job for that. And it's called development. Mm. And so that's how she got in and in, into her, like got her foot in the door. But um, for me, I, so I had this intention and then, you know, I got on that TV show at the end of my, you know, at that talk show and then did that audition and was just like, well, and then I just literally was just hanging out with people and like, all right, I'll go audition. And um, so as I kept, getting cast and I, and I was like, I love this. And my family was like, it's his hobby. And, you know, honestly, once I got into the acting awards and won and Denzel Washington gave me my award. Hey girl. Um, hey. Okay. It was so funny. Cause I was like saying like, thank you. And he whispers, he goes to the Academy and I go to the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, that's when I said, okay, all right, this is what I have to do because I love it so much and I'm really, really good at it. And my parents were like, Ooh, you need to get a teaching credential. And I said, I cannot fall backward. I can only fall forward. Like you have to give me that opportunity. Yeah. But in my family, there was no not going to college. Like it was. Okay. So no matter it was what, like, no, not- so no matter what you were going to go for something and you were going to go 
excel at it and work at it and be great at it. And so you, so like the, the road of, oh, honey, why don't you just go take some acting classes and do whatever? Like that was not a discussion on the table. There was a lot of like, you know, it, it makes me laugh now, you know, like kids who take a gap year or like they, they have choices. Yeah. I was not at all given that choice whatsoever. And like, I look now, like I have a, my, my youngest is, is like literally an insane artist. Like she's so good. She's so, I will send you something like it. I is would love to see cuckoo, it. It's cuckoo bananas. Like she did this eye the other day. That's like the full reflection. And you know, I mean, it's crazy. Anyway, the point is if she gets scooped up by, uh, you know, a development company, like a, like an Apple kind of thing to, to work and do commercial, like, you don't need to go to college. Like, you know, it's a different world. But for me, it right. was like, and for me, it wasn't even like, you're going to college. It was like, you're going to a Pac-10 school. Like, you got to go to a UC. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my feet were kind of held to the fire on that. Well, that's um, interesting though, because your parents, I mean, much to everything that we had discussed previously, like your parents set high bars too. And they were like, here's the thing. You are going to rise to these set standards and you will excel. I, I do wonder because I think in some regard that kind of, for lack of a better word, pressure or expectation really does. I mean, I think if you hear your whole life, this is just what we do and and you're going to do it and you're going to be great. I don't know I, how many people, I, I mean, I, it's interesting on the nature nurture. Like I can't help but think like, of course you're going to go do it. Of course you're going to be great. You were raised right. being told you would and you could. Yes. However, it did. Like, I remember there was like the, so I was in my chemistry class and I was not doing well. <laughs> that was not my class of choice. <laughs> and honestly, given the chance, like, like it was, you could either take auto shop or chemistry. Like those were the two choices in a junior year in, in high school. Now I drive a car every single day. Like auto shop would have been <laughs> way more valuable, you know, but it was like the burners took auto shop and all the smart kids took chemistry. And I cheated on my chemistry final because I was not doing well. And someone, a friend of mine, I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. A friend of mine had had to take it early because they were going, they were leaving town. And he's like, I don't know if these are the right answers, but here's for, like he handed it to like five of us. And I put them on a piece of masking tape on the hem of my skirt, oh my, my denim, like mini skirt. How in the creative. 80s, <laughs> and flipped it like during the test. And I didn't write, I didn't do every single one that he, you know, like whatever, but like I passed, I passed with a C and, um, you know, I'm not proud of that. Like, you know, like, like I think of all the things that could have gone wrong there, you know, like, you know, how, how that could have, you know, and I remember having a conversation with my teacher before that and I was, she was like, well, you know, you have to, you know, you might have to retake it or this is before I took the test. I said, you don't understand. Like I have to go to, like, I have to go to pac Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the pressure, you know? So some of that is still not some of it. It's all there. Like you see these like documentaries about these kids getting into college and they're, you know, <clears throat> you know, it's just this, you know, I feel, I feel now like as a parent, I would be less insane about it. You know, if my kids go to SMC and get a couple of, do all their gen ed there out of high school. Okay. Yeah. But I also to your point though, it's a different world. It is a different world. The way and it's also and it, another different world, even post the pandemic, because you know, what is a value now? Right. Like what what do you value? You know, and what is needed? You know, what we needed, like 
plumbers still worked and electricians still worked. And, you know, like there was, yes, of course, nurses and doctors and things like that, you know, are very, you know, a value, but like, you know, what, uh, you know, learning a trade isn't the worst thing in the whole wide world. If my kids were, I could not agree more. I think about that all the time for my son. I'm like, he already shows very creative inclinations. (laughs) He loves instruments. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. But (laughs) yeah, genetics failed me on this one. But at the same time, I feel like there are so many options of roads now where you can go have a trade that really supports you, that allows you to have the flexibility to pursue the thing you enjoy without getting into the debt of a major, you know, university structure. Now, if he says, I want to be a neurosurgeon or a lawyer or whatever else, please go to school for that. I do not want you cutting heads open without having a clue of what you're doing. Well, of course. You know what I mean? So I I feel you on that. It's very interesting. So let's get back to your UCLA days. Prior to going, though, where did you apply and how did you pick UCLA? And what made you kind of like, you started auditioning and doing these things, but what, what started to set you in motion for the lifetime ahead that you then started to unfold? Well, I, like I said, <laughs> I was instructed to, that I, I had to apply. I, I only applied to UC schools, Okay. every UC school, except for the banana slugs. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to Santa Cruz cause that's gross. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, and I, and I knew like, I, you know, I've had like tricks and I wrote, a, I wrote a play was my, uh, my, um, you know, college essay was a play. And, um, I picked you. I mean, I've always wanted to go to UCLA. Like UCLA was always my thing because I just, you know, I I always had that thing of like I gotta get to LA. I gotta get to LA. I gotta get to LA. You know, um, uh, I don't know. Um, I got into every UC. By the way, I got into all of the schools. Well done, my lady. Even Cal, and my dad not think I was going to get into Cal because <laughs> um, my sister is crazy smart. Like she got into Harvard and Yale and Stanford and you know. <laughs> And the reason why she picked UCLA is because they gave her almost a full ride. And then, of course, she double majored and like graduated summa cum laude. So, you know, like (laughs) there was. Yeah, she just kind of like set the bar at some impossible. You're like, oh, oh, right. uh (laughs) But, you know, it's so funny, though, because she did like she graduated summa cum laude. And it was the same year that I won the acting awards. And nobody talked about like she was so pissed. Because she worked so hard and like, all anybody did, like, I can't believe your sister won this thing. But you know, we keep doing that to each other. Like it's like I got a series and then she got to be on the be the president at the same time. So nobody gave a shit about my series. It was all about her doing yeah. this. And, you know, it's it's you know, we just keep doing that to each other. And what, it's like listen, whatever, what a lovely care. balance to have to trade off, you know, success right. and success and, we're not and success com- and success. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're not competitive at all with each other. Like we laugh about it. I'm like, have we not paid you back for that now? You know, it's it's <laughs> you know, thank God for her. And I will say this because people are always like, Oh, of course, because your sister I'm like, she has never once helped me. Never once has she helped me. Like she just she will say things like if like when, we, when I would test for ABC, she's like, I will leave the room if, and you guys can make the decision about me if it makes anybody, you know, if that doesn't work for anyone. Um, you know, so, you know, and, and I was on private practice, which was that Grey's Anatomy spinoff and they let me go and there was nothing she could do about it. They replaced me with Audrey McDonald. So, oh, I yeah, just remember so I that. Just, like that just came into my head. Yeah. But you know what? At the same time, how lovely to sit in your own accolades for yourself, because it's a different feeling to get an to 
achieve accomplishment and go, oh, well, it's because like there's always a doubt or a, a wonder yes. or like, did I get it on my own merit? Did I not? Was it because my sister was in the room? And although you're still going to celebrate and be stoked to do your part and put your best foot forward, there is something really lovely about going, no, this was all me. Right. There was no nepotism and, uh, and there never is. And, um, uh, you know, so it just, you. Uh, it's just nice. It's it's so let me ask you this. Okay. So you win the big fancy award at UCLA because you're awesome. And then well, you graduate because you're awesome. And now the real world, how does that look to somebody who has like basically shattered all the ideas of what a freshman is supposed to do, what a black woman is supposed to do, what any right. woman in any field is supposed to do. And you're just killing it. And now you, the doors open and you go into Hollywood. How were, how was that? <laughs> and they greeted me as they should with a uh, red carpet and yeah. flowers. No. Yeah. no. Uh, so I win the thing. It's so funny because the agent that I've had for 25 years, 30 years, met, I met her that night. She's like, I'm Jennifer Craig. I'm from William Morris, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, oh my God, you know. And I never, I didn't sign with her back then just because there was nothing she, she, I was, she was too junior and I was not, you know, and you know, but, uh, but a couple of years later, like, you know, maybe five more years after that, then she became my agent. But, um, I had gotten another smaller agent after the awards, never really, you know, nothing ever came of it while I was at school, which was fine. And then from that, I got another, another different, smaller agent. I think, oh, cause I went right into, um, acting school after mm -hmm. that, like maybe six months after I went to the Beverly Hills Playhouse. And that was really where I got the tenacity and the understanding. My, my teacher had written this book called Dreams Into Action. And that, listen, there's a lot of cuckoo stories about the Beverly Hills Playhouse that have like, because there's a bunch of people who, who went there who were Scientologists and da, 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 da. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> but the, I'm just glad you clarified. Because I was not me. But that book was really great and it has a lot of great things like it teaches you how to be in the room like a like there's like a, a chapter called like talking with cab drivers and it's literally like how when you go to the grocery store you get a cab and you start like i'm sure you have no problem with this like where you're just making like chit chat and da, 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 da. well all of that is how you are in the room when you go audition you know because it's you know, it's all of those sorts of things like get it, getting, making, you know, winning them over in the room before you even do the thing. Because half the battle is like, we want to work with somebody for the next seven years who's we like, you know, um, when I was doing alias, JJ called my old bosses. Like I've never heard that. Like they called the people at King and Queens to go, what's she like, you know, to find out if I was a dick. And, um, so, uh, that is how I walked into the world into Hollywood, you know? And so a year later I got a, a, a tiny part in a movie. And then a year after that is when I started working in TV and I took 23. I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I think so often for people starting <clears throat> out in a career in the arts, it's so easy to lose sight of how, who you are actually makes a difference. It actually mm -hmm. matters to whatever character you might play the character very well, but who you bring to the table, how you your work, how you present yourself, how you interact, people notice. And I and so often I I don't get to talk with professionals who stress like, listen, it's important to know your craft, but it's important to know how to be in the room. 
it's important to know how to be in the room, but it's the number one. If anybody goes, what is the secret to your success? Gratitude. Gratitude is what helped me the whole way, whether it is being, you know, uh, you know, whatever it's, you know, grateful for a meeting or the job or the, I, I always say thank you, you know, and from the beginning, whether I would just send a card for the meeting or you got, I got a, a gig, a little cookie basket. I got a series, a much bigger thing. Like I say, thank you. And, uh, I had a lot of casting director friends in my life. And I remember this one gal was like, we taft Hartley that guy. Like we got him a sad card and he has never once said thank you. You know, I just sent my divorce lawyer a thank you, <laughs> right. gift, you know, because um, what does it cost you to say thank you? And particularly when it's like a big thing, like a series, say thank you. People work hard to, you know, like day one of this new thing that I've got, it's a show called Shining Veil for Stars. Like I brought in little like small, like, like welcome, you know, like, you know, you know, good luck cookies or whatever, just to some people, you know, like when we were starting that day, like, you know, the producer and the director and the actress I was working with that day, you know, just to be human and make a human connection. And it's, and and I don't do it to, I do it to say thank you. I do it to say thank you. And, um, because I'm appreciative and, you know, there was the one time I, so I got like a, an episode of Martin, which was like this like big episode, and uh, people still stop me in the grocery store. And they're like, "Oh my god!" And um, right after that, I got an episode of the show called In the House, and it was with Debbie Allen and LL Cool J, and it was another sitcom. And I, after sitcoms, they shoot like five days, so you do two days of rehearsal, three two three days of rehearsal, and then you do camera blocking, and then you shoot. And the way this one worked was like we did two days, like Thursday, Friday, and then they're going to do the. Wednesday or Monday was going to be the other rehearsal and then Thursday, Friday, we shoot. And, uh, or Thursday tape day and Friday we're pre-tape and then Friday is the big shoot day in front of the live studio audience. And I got fired over the weekend because they just didn't like, whatever. I just didn't have any chemistry with LL and whatever. Just playing a, a girlfriend. And, uh, I sent them a muffin basket to say, have a great shoot. Classy. And like years later, the <clears throat> casting director, she's like, I, I'll never forget that. Like, she's like, you know, and I, and it's funny because when I was doing another thing years later with James Burroughs, this, this uh, pilot, the guy playing my husband got let go. Curious, he didn't what, how to do- I'm just curious what pilot. My mom was on Jimmy Burroughs' crew for all of his everything. Oh my God. She's it was the a associate show, director. It was called Brothered Up. Mm. It was so smart and funny. And it was about a, Two different co- two cops in Dearborn, Michigan, and I guess in Dearborn, Michigan, they have a very large um, Muslim po- population. So, like, it was like like a, a my husband, like a, a, a black family and a Muslim family, sort of coming together, and like you know, or Iranian. I can't remember what the population is, yeah. but the point is, it was like they got brothered up together to work together, and it was just it was when I read it, because I was like, what is Jimmy Burroughs doing this show for? And I read it and I was like, oh my God, because it's all in the family. It's all in the family. It's a modern day yeah. where you're talking about race and you're talking about stuff. And it was really, really smart. That's crazy. I bet my mom, I bet you were, I bet you were working with my mom. That's hilarious. I bet it was. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. 
at any rate, um, they, they let the first guy who was playing my husband go because he didn't know how to play to the audience. Like he's very funny and really talented, but he doesn't have that. Like he kept going, it's so big. And it's like, it has to be because you're playing for the 200 people in this room, not for the millions of people watching on, on TV. Totally. And uh, it's a different kind of acting and he just couldn't handle it. But he also, he sent a coffee cart. Just to wish us luck. Yeah. Class act. Class, Class act. act. And you don't forget it. And you don't forget it. Yeah. I think something you, you said that is so important is you're like, just to be human. And I, and that's such an important tone that we overlook because people are professional. People are mm-hmm. career driven. People are goal oriented. Sometimes it is important to just not sometimes, I would say most of the time, if not all the time, it is important to be human and genuine. And gratitude is probably the most direct way to show your humanity. So well done on you for that. Thank you. And it's also just to sort of like, um, you know, we all have ups and downs and we're going to win and lose in this business. And so how... I'm lucky enough to have lost many times, you know, and to get the lesson on that. And like the lesson, like when I, you know, they replaced me on private practice. Well, A, the universe was like, you're having a baby soon. Like I wasn't nearly And I want to get into like, all of that because there's yeah. so much there that I want to talk about too. Um, but I also learned that like, because I, I, you know, that was a big lesson. Oh, shit. What did I do? Oh. You're good. <laughs> that was a big lesson, <laughs> lesson for me to say, um, it's a long career. This is not the end all be all like, you know, I love all those people, but like, you know, it wasn't mash, you know what I'm saying? It's not still running. It's not, it's not still Grey's Anatomy. You know, it's, it, it was a finite show and people, you know, have since stopped talking, you know, it's like, it wasn't going to be the end all be all, even though it felt like it in the moment, because that was right when Grey's Anatomy was in the zeitgeist and it was this whole thing. Uh, so it was a great lesson for me to go like, Hey, guess what? There's way more important things in your life and building a family starts now and you get to have that opportunity and you get to, um, you know, that's what a lot of people forget to build a life in this career. They forget to have hobbies and other things that are not just getting the job, you know, just getting, you know, um, so yeah, I'm grateful for that lesson to like, Oh, oh, get off your high horse. There's going to be plenty of other things. Just, you know, you just got to hang in there. Absolutely. How was that? That's the, that literally before you even said it was going to be my next question. I was like, here you are a successful working actress. You want to have a family. How did that mix into your life? And at the time, did you have any conflict with that? Or did you, were you able to kind of resolve both? And because I think another misconception, which it gets talked about, but I still think the average person, not in the arts or not in the entertainment world specifically, look at, actresses, actors, singers, and they're like, oh, they have this life, this like, they don't work that hard and they get to be on TV and they make all this money and they have this whole other life. They don't see 10, 15 hours on set. They don't see long, draggy lulls, reshoots. They don't see getting up at three in the morning or going to bed at three in the morning. They don't understand any of the legitimate work that goes into it in your time, in your energy, in your, you know, scene study, in your memorizing of your lines, in your chemistry on, you know, with your coworkers, all of the behind the scenes stuff that legitimately make for a long, grueling experience to pay off for that weekly episode or that, you know, silver screen experience to let them have a a refuge for their day-to-day life. How, when you 
when you got pregnant or when you guys decided to start a family, how did you reconcile that in your mind as far as becoming a mom, but also maintaining a career? Well, A, I got really lucky that I got fired. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this path was opened up. And um, I I love that I 100% like uh, set my marriage up to like our, my wedding was like on hiatus. Like when it, when I thought like, (laughs) like, you know, it was like, it was not during pilot season is what it was not. It was not during pilot season, but, um, uh, my, you know, I just, here's what I know now. You are always where you're supposed to be. You are always in time. You are always in time where you, wherever you're supposed to be, even if you forgot to do the thing that you're supposed to do, you are where you're supposed to be. So that happened. I had the desire. I talked to my doctor and was like, she's like, you're not getting any younger. Like if you're going to try, you should try. And luckily enough we did. And then luckily enough, after that, the um, strike happened, Mm. you know? So I had a clear path to like have a baby the first time and not worry about, you know, like, but it's prioritizing what is important to you. You know, I have people who just, just never did it. They never lived. They never, it was always, well, when, well, this, you know, and here they are in their fifties now with no partner, no kid, no, you know, like they just put it off and, you know, um, It's just, you have to have a sense of self and a sense of what's important to you and, or, or the universe will give you that moment, which is what happened to me. It was like, I was like, no, I mean, I would have at the time given like a liver to stay on that show. Like I would have been whatever, like I'll never have a baby if I could stay on this show. And you know, the universe is like, you have two kids coming that are amazing. And I would have been like, what, who, huh? You know, if I, if I had designed it. But I had to get out of the way. I got out, I got you know pushed out of the way to to be given a life, and I listened to the signs. You know, I didn't like ignore them. You have to listen to your gut and listen to the signs. And um, you know, um, I think I, also you know considering like what who the world in which we live and who we're talking to now per se. at least in terms of the business, you have to know what is it you really want? Because there are, if you want to be famous, there's, we, the avenue has been created. The YouTube channels are there. The TikTok, blah, blah. You get to be famous and uh, make some money. Um, maybe a lot of money. Like, you know, it's like, do you want to be famous? Do you want to make a lot of money? Well, there's a million better ways to make money than being an actor or musician. So like. Um, figure that out Um, (laughs) because this is not necessarily it you know do you really you know I remember it was like a hot summer day and I was in a theater like doing tech and it was dark and it was weird and it was like you know like and I was like I love it I love it you know totally and I you know and it's like you gotta love it because it's it is all of those things you know my friends and I were just joking the other day about like I was was doing a convention with some actresses and we were joking that like it's only like 30 great seconds of acting because you're like i got the job when is it where is it i have to do what i have to wear what how long do i have to be there you know like, there's this whole other laundry list of things that are like 
fucking horrible yeah. about it. Suddenly your, you know? your 30 seconds slowly goes down to like 15, the 10. That like you, you enjoy that 30 seconds and let it decrease from there until you come yeah. back to the actual working craft of it. But yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then sometimes, you know, and it, and you know, and it, that's the thing also, because sometimes like, there's a reason it's called work. Like it's work, you know, um, and you're being asked to do things that you'd never ever want to do and be in the mud. I mean, like God, when I said once upon a time, I would have to wear a corset <laughs> and a, a, like a head, the hair that they put in my head was like, you know, two or three pounds. And then there was a crown that was like another three pounds. Like by the end of the day, my neck would be killing me. And you're, you're always in the rain because it's always raining in Vancouver. And so you're, you know, you'd go to your trailer and you'd like literally drop your petticoats because you're wearing like so many wool things underneath, like these tights. So you just drop all your, because you, you know, evil queens don't lift their skirts. So you just drop it at the thing and the poor like wardrobe people would pick it up and run it through the dryer oh at lunch gosh. and then give it back to you. You know, and I was away from my kids and they were young and, you know, my in-laws were with us and uh, you know, it was <laughs> one time we had to hold because there was a bear. Get <laughs> <laughs> a hold because there's a bear. <laughs> you know, it's just you know when we when on Alias we'd shoot downtown in the middle of the night. Oh, like it's just you know terrifying. Right. Um, I mean, I remember one time somebody like when before you know like they I all the time in LA now they have these little signs that you know say base camp or whatever, but like. They they scramble up the name like the name always has like X or AAA or whatever. It's never what it is, right. and um, because because um, now everything's so close and data, that's why they do it. But it used to be because like they didn't do that before. It'd be like alias parking here, you know. Right. And one time Jennifer Garner had somebody in her trailer in downtown, like just waiting <laughs> in her trailer. She's like, you know? I mean, um, I'm a very hospitable person. However, I and don't yet, think this is where you're supposed to be. <laughs> no, terrifying. So um, there's a lot of things that we have to do. I mean, like Brad Pitt was talking about it. Like uh, like one of the awards, he was like, I don't do night shoots. I hate them. I hate them. Like, no, I don't do my stunts. I'm like, have at it. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you, there's stuff that you have to do. And sometimes it's amazing. And you get to like be in Carmel for months with, you know, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and Meryl Streep. And, you know, you get to, you know, do Bumble on there for a while. Yes. <laughs> that was a high. Yeah. You know, some of the jobs are a big, big, big high. And some of them are in the woods with a bear. Not that the job wasn't a high, <laughs> like ultimately like you know, the rewards of that, but the actual work that I had to do on that job was hard. That was, that was work. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our awesome sponsors, New Belgium. One of their beers, Voodoo Ranger IPA, is a favorite here at the Creative Convergence. Voodoo Ranger IPA is perfectly balanced with notes of guava, mango, and pineapple with a delicately bitter finish. For beer news and occasional mediocre advice, follow at Voodoo Ranger on Twitter and Instagram, where you will hear about what's new and where you can find Voodoo Ranger near you. Voodoo Ranger IPA. Drink responsibly. Live rangerously. What do you tell your munchkins? Because you've got two girls, and uh-huh. I have not been fortunate enough yet to meet them. But I would imagine they're stunningly beautiful and driven and brilliant, just like their mom. 
how do what conversations do you have with them about your work, about the work? What do you talk with them about pursuing dreams and, you know, balance and family and all of these other life patterns that come into play? Well, I had to, I mean, like, there's a lot of conversations when I was traveling about, um, you know, you like it when we go to Disneyland, right? Well, we get to go to Disneyland because mommy, you know, goes to work and, you know, blah, 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 and does this certain job. And that's why we get the guide who gets to take us around. And, right. Um, you know, uh, and even when I have to work in town and I get, you know, when I had to have like nannies or sitters or things, you know, I had to explain, I love what I do and I'm good at what I do. And I hope that you find something that you love and that you are good at. And I get the opportunity to do it. And like the great news is I get to make money doing what I'd love to do. Um, so I hope that that happens for you. And I hope that you watch that I get to do this and that it, you know, inspires you to, to, to do the same. So that's really, it. I mean, like they're still young enough that there is no real, like real, real, real conversation. Um, but I think that that is plenty, you know, yeah. for them to, to see that, um, there is a rela- you know, correlation between my working and them getting to vacations do the cool and stuff. things. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that I am passionate about what I do. Like, I don't just do it to be away from them. I go, you know, you guys are my number one, number ones, you know, this is, you know, but I, I also like doing what I do, you know, and I hate being away from you. And I love it when I get to come home at night and put you to bed and all those sorts of things. But sometimes I can't, right? you know, so, um, but because, you know, I do it because I love it, but I also do it because I, we have, I have to do it. You know, I have to yeah. work. Like any other job I would have to go to. Exactly. And I'm lucky, you know, and then, you know, I can, you know, I give other examples of other parents who don't do what I do, but are gone even longer, you know, so. Yeah. Again, I was just curious because I, um, I think it's always interesting to discuss the, the stuff that doesn't usually get brought up on, you know, the fancy interviews on the red carpets and the things about, you know, how was it working with Meryl Streep? I'm not asking you those questions. (laughs) I'm happy to ask you those questions because I would also love to know how it is working with Meryl Streep. But I think it's, I I just think there's an element that's important to the humanity of being a successful working performer, actor, professional person um, that obviously gets bundled up in a whole lot of awesomeness in so many ways, but people don't see the like, no, I didn't get to tuck my baby in tonight. I didn't get to kiss them goodnight. I've been away for three weeks you know, thank heavens for FaceTime or whatever it is, you know, all of those things. And it's like, if I am ever so lucky to ever publicly speak and win an award or say something like my first thing, probably out of my mouth would thank my village. I would thank my village of moms who sent photos when I was in Atlanta and Joanna, Vancouver and the, you know, moms who picked up my, you know, kids and took them to sleepovers and to their activities. And then, you know, nannies, like the people who, you know, showed up to help me do what I do, you know, like, thank you agents and lawyers, but thank you to the real, real, like who did all those things for me, you know, and continue to do so. So I can keep working, you know, keep working. How do you prepare for a role? What is your, do you have a process? Does it depend on what the role is? Yeah, because some roles are very much right on the page and it's not too far from who I am. And it's, you know, uh, I, I I have not done a, too many things where I have had to 
uh, be too far from myself. Um, you know, where they are real people. Like I had to do some work on the, when I was at Ursula, cause it was just like, what, how do you, that's what I was going to ask. I was like a sea witch is, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there are traits that can be a through line, but you know, well, at first I also was like, are we, is there mimicry happening with the voices? Right. Are we trying to do that? Um, I mean, the hardest I ever worked was on Alias was when I had to, I trained for a year to, to do this fight and to, um, I took voice classes to take the California out of my voice. And we didn't know if she was going to be like, have a Russian accent or, or you know, really want to just be prepared. Cause JJ at the time just said, do you know how to fight? And I said, no. And he said, learn. And I went, <laughs> okay like at the end of season one so i you know got some help from jennifer garner about like where to go and then uh you know i got a voice coach and just kept doing it in, blindly until i got instruction of what was happening um but most you know obviously there's stuff that you learn to play a cop but like again they're they are people they're not really just you know and when you're playing a a, a bad or an evil character or whatever, you know, what is there? They don't think that they are, you know, what, right. what do they think? You know, well, and that why there's motivation. Keeping a humanity about them as well. I mean, even for right. the good or the bad or the ugly, they have to believe that who they are is right for them. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. So yeah. let me ask you this. How do you, when, because most actors, as you mentioned, it's like you have job, you have job, you have job, and then there's hiatus or there's downtime. Are you a person that tends to dive back into a theatrical realm in theater? Do you go into writing as somebody who was going to be an English literary person? What do you do on your, I mean, obviously you're a mom, that's a full-time job in and a half in and of itself. Where right. do you fill on fill in the in-betweens for your own um creative juices or just your own willing, you know, need to keep working on in-betweens? Well, it's obviously changed over the course of the years, you know, um, and it was much, much harder when I didn't have a whole life outside of my life. You know, now like when I get to work, it's like, when, when are we done? You know, because I want to get home to see the kids or do whatever it is that I have to do there. Um, uh, it, you know, work used to be my life and those were only, right. you know, were my friends. Um, and, um, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I creatively, I am not a, I, I don't do theater because theater is more required time away from my kids at this time. And the theater and scene in LA is not, it's not like you're doing a Broadway play. And, um, so like financially it also doesn't cover the cost of being <laughs> right. away from my children. Right. Um, right. So, uh, unfortunately that at this moment is not, I would love to get back to it and do it at some point. Um, but, I, I, for a while I was baking, like I, I really got into this real thing of that's my art. You know, I would make, you know, cakes for people's parties or my kids or whatever, like really. That's amazing. Fancy. Stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I can't say, bake I a, my way out of a paper bag. So I am impressed. <laughs> It was just really like, it was a great, you know, every, every actor I, I'm sure has a thing that they do that is theirs, you know, whether, and I mean, I play guitar and I sing and, you know, all that, I don't have fun. I mean, I just knock around with that and that's just fun. But, um, 
you know, and I, and it's nice to take lessons to the By the way, practicing. I'm going to insert, she's very casually saying she sings. I have been on stage with this woman before and she has <laughs> melted faces. So you can just take that for what it's worth and take her humility and humbleness and just put it in your pocket and know that, you know, there's a lot more there. Well, thank you. But I guess what I'm saying is that I don't, you know, unless I'm doing something like with Curtis or whatever, I don't actively have a band or like actively right. go to nights to sing. Like I don't like, uh, you know, I, I'm actually starting lessons again on the guitar because I'm like, I am bound and determined to get better at that. You know, and I was playing ukulele with my daughter too. Um, but the, the, the cake thing became out, was born out of, a, there was a time in, in which there was not a lot of work when I had my second daughter and everyone was like ordering these cakes from like sprinkles. And I'm like, I'll make it. <laughs> and you pay me the $200, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but I have much more joy when I'm not being paid for it because then there's no constraint. It's my thing. And, and it is my sculpting. It's like my art piece. You know, I made like BB, a beat, like it was a rainbow cake on the inside. It was a BB eight for my daughter. And it really, like, it was not a, one of those like nail, like I nail, I really nailed it. Like it doesn't look, it looks like the picture. Um, he's like holding the like ink candle with his little you know, stick. It's really cute. I'll send it to you. Um, yeah. And I did like sandcastle cakes and I've done, you know, a lot of those doll cakes, but I will sit there meticulously with my headphones on listening to music and put like the pearls on like Elsa's skirt, you know, with these little like, you know, and I just, that's my favorite part. Is, it's like, like therapeutic. Forget, like, yeah. You zen it's out. It's totally therapeutic. Just... Forget it. Yeah. You're just, you know, like it's the same way that when like I, <laughs> my, my, my daughter's friend is a, a painter and she did this gorgeous painting and has all this detail. I'm like, I, I understand. Like that for you is really, really fun to put all that lace in. And for me, it was like, I put these little freaking pearl, snowballs on Elsa's skirt <laughs> I loved it. I was like when you're like Please look it. at this look at how beautiful yeah. I did each pearl and, by and, hand and it's not even like you know and the good news is they're delicious they're not like shitty cakes you know but um <laughs> I I it's that I just I I love it so much you know it just gives me uh satisfaction because it's from the beginning to the end, even if I screwed up, like it is my creative process. Again, nice. I can't tell you how many times that I've like made part of the cake and then had to redo it again because it wasn't good enough and it wasn't right. And I didn't care. Like it was like, fine, fuck it, throw it out. Let's go. Right. Right. You know. And where we initially met, we were at a spin class together. I won't say where, but um, at that time, at least when we had met, you would, in, you're athletic, you're physical. You find those other outlets for yourself when you're not working. Oh, or, I do it every day. I did. And during the pandemic, I walked. It's so funny. My girlfriend, who's a teacher, she was like, let's go for a walk on like, first day. In it. And like then it, that was, I'm not kidding. Like it was a club. It was every day. It was, you know, we got to a place where we were going 40 miles a week. You know, I like had to stop for a second because I blew my knee. Yeah. I went through three pairs of tennis shoes. It was just like to keep my sanity. And sometimes like when my kids were with my ex-husband, they would be the only people I'd see all day, like the only other adults, you know, and it was always six feet apart and we had our masks on and we just been, and we were outside. So that was helpful, but I had to, I had to stay active. Yeah. So, um, where, where should we be looking? What's coming next? What's in the, what's in the fold lines that you're allowed to talk about? I don't know if I can, I mean, it's, it came on IMDB today, so I don't know. Um, but there's a certain show uh, on FX and Hulu starting on July 15th. We can say that. That's wonderful. Okay. Yep. 
And um, so I'm doing a couple episodes of that. And then my new series is called Shining Veil and it's on stars. Uh, but we haven't even started shooting. So I don't know, uh, maybe, you know, somewhere in 2022, I would think maybe like in the, you know, January, but it's with Courtney Cox and Mira Sorvino and Greg Kinnear. So exciting. What an amazing cast. Crazy crazy good now, cast. And I also question. did like when a you Lucifer. Go, when you go out for a show like that, are you already aware of who's tied to the show or do you find out after you book? I don't, I think I knew Courtney was in it. I don't know that Greg Kinnear and Mira Servino were like already locked down. Um, but it was, it was less about, honestly, it was less about them. And Sharon Horgan is the creator with, along with Jeff Astroff. And Jeff Astroff was an, uh, a producer on Friends. And I'm a huge Friends person. Mm-hmm. And then Sharon Horgan created so much. She's this uh, beautiful, incredible Irish actress, producer, writer. Um, and she just did the show with Rob Delaney, the name that escapes me right now. But um, Catastrophe. It's called Catastrophe. And... Um, I've been a huge fan of her. So I was like, Oh my God, Sharon. And she did divorce with, uh, with, um, Sarah Jessica Parker. Like right. I just love her. And so I was thrilled to have an opportunity to work with her. Amazing. Not that, you know, Mary no, 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 yeah, no, you're massage. not putting anybody else in a backseat, but yeah, <laughs> no, I, but that was the initial, like, Oh my God. Yeah. How did that, you know, come along. So yeah. So in 20 and coming up, I have Lucifer, uh, season six, but they just dropped season five. So, or five B. So it, that won't be for a while. And then, my secret July FX show and then um, Shining Veil. Those are the things that are coming up. Girl, I'm so proud of you. Come of on. Course. Yeah, come Thank on you. with it. May I ask you a few questions I ask all my guests? Of course. Okay. Having had this remarkable journey that we've been able to chat about, um, what would you say looking back for you has been a career high, but not related or can be related? What would you say has been a career low and why? Oh my God. Um, well, I, you know, the high, the highest of the high is working with Meryl Streep (laughs) because it's really hard to stop that one. (laughs) Well, I mean, because she's our, she, you know, you, if aliens came to earth and said, show me the actors, they would, you would show Meryl Streep. Um, and I learned so much in the brief moments that we had, um, but she's so gracious and so wonderful to work with. And um, even though I was like so nervous, I was when just going to ask set, you that. But, like, how does one who is also an incredible, incredible actress, but how does one be put in a position with the epitome of the actor, especially the female actor, the epitome? Yeah, much like you said, aliens come down and they go, "Give us your actress." There's a singular, like you just go hand over Meryl Streep. <laughs> but like, how do you overcome your own? Do you get in your head? How do you hype up? How do you hype down? Or or how do you I had a get total grounded? panic attack? I've never had a panic attack. And I had a panic attack in my kitchen. Like I was like making my salad to go to set. And then I started like shaking and like my nose started running. And then I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do it. Like I literally like like was like, oh my God. And um because it was the first day of season two. So it wasn't even like, I mean, I already had to like cross the hurdle of working with, you know, Reese and Nicole and Laura Dern. And, you yeah, know. none of those are, there There are no schlumpy actresses in this lineup. <laughs> and you know what I will say that I've been so lucky in the last five years with all those women, Meryl, 
Jane Fonda on Frankie and Frank, Grace and Frankie, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart on Picard. Then now when I get in a room w- with anybody, it's so much easier because you know how to be in the room. <laughs> I know how to, I, cause I, I was, I had to meet the moment, you know, and, um, and that's the thing that was funny was when I was dating at Olympian, we both, you understand that of having to be there in that this is the time you cannot screw this up. When I jumped over the counter and, you know, air, you know, gave Jennifer Garner a roundhouse to the face, you meet the moment you have to show what you got to be prepared to be ready. And, you know, my dad's thing is always like luck is at the corner of persistence and opportunity, you know, Amen. and you, and being, and you've got to be prepared for that time. Like if you are not, you know, that's the saddest part about our business now is that like you've got all these dum-dums who like just like made it on TikTok for two seconds and they are not prepared and they are not persistent in, in learning any more about themselves or how to do this. But in answer to your question about the Meryl Streep, it was, I so saw and it was my, so my first day, second season. And she, it's just she and I in this scene. That's it. Just in that, you know, that big scene in the, but you know, what was the coolest was the director was a wonderful woman. And she was like, okay, you have to not make so much eye contact with her. And I'm like, yes, but I get to watch her act. And they're like, I understand. Like you're, this is the best seat in the house is right now. Um, You know, so we did a whole, we did a whole thing together where we did the scene without talking. And Meryl's like, oh, I love this. And I'm like, you've never done this? She's like, no. She was, she, like, she just wants it to be great. She wants to, she wants to play with you. She wants it to, she wants people who are game. And like, once you get in that space, let's go. And we had the best time. And that, then when I'd come to set, she'd be like, Marin, and she'd give me a hug and grab my hand and go talk. And I was like, this is great. You know, but like, you got to show up. You got to be ready. And we did this and it was like, you know, so then we could get back into the scene without using, you know, with, with using the words and it becomes, you know, you get the whole thing. It's all there, you know, and that's how you work with Meryl Streep. Oh my gosh. I love it. Thank you for sharing that story. But so as a career high, there's, I mean, that's, that's the moment. That and the alias, that and what I got to do in alias, because that, the moment, the, the moment with Meryl, because it made me a better actor and it was such a gift, the moment on alias, because as it was, it was a gift to get that opportunity and that opportunity led to so many other things because for up until that point, I'd done nothing but comedy. And then I got this drama and then he was like, Oh no, now you're going to do this. And nobody has ever, you know, really taken a huge chance on me to do, let me do more than, you know, you know, I don't always get to stretch my legs. Right. Right. What would you say was a career low? Well, I think obviously getting replaced on private practice was a low in that it it was uh it ground everything to everything that I had thought about my career sort of ground to a halt and thought about myself and I had to recalibrate everything. But it's hard to say that it's a low because it made everything better. You know, I mean I guess uh, you know uh, uh, I, like Look, I've worked with certain people that made it really 
difficult. I've had a couple of those where they are not willing to play and they are not game and they are not grateful to be there and they are not happy. And that is when it's work because they're spoiled and they're insensitive and they're selfish and mean spirited and narcissistic. And so it trickles down because it's usually one of the number one, two people. And so then it really trickles down to the rest of the party and spoils it, you know, but you have really game happy people who are happy to be there and grateful. I mean, when we were working on big little eyes season one, and they did that big party, right? And it's, you know, you got 400, 300 extras dressed as Elvis and Audrey Hepburn, and, you know, a big, con- right. you know, we had tents and tents of people. Like you think like now with COVID, like how could you have tents and tents of people to get, you know, and, you know, and, and the, and the main cast, you know, you've already got like eight of them, the main main, and then you've got another 10 of the cops and the, that chorus of parents and, you know, but each one of those gals sent, you know, trucks of, all manners of food. Like, you know what I'm saying? We'd have Mexican one night and we'd have Chinese food or we had a crepe station. We had, you know, a donut bar, like, because they were like, we got to keep everybody fed and happy. And we are grateful that you were here. You know, like that is how I was on once upon a time. Each one of those main people would take turns. Who got the coffee truck for Friday? Who got it? Who's getting sushi for everybody? You know, you have to, your generosity goes a long way to showing your gratitude. And when you work with people who are me. Takers and all about me when they're, my needs. When they're takers. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the crew will rally around you as in, you know, I, I got a chance to be number one a couple of years ago on this tiny, tiny indie film. But we had a lot of fun and it was a really great opportunity for me to stretch my legs in New York for a month. And at least once a week, I would go, get co- I would have coffee come. I would get popsicles when we were in like a crappy apartment. You know what I'm saying? It was like a tiny movie and a tiny budget, but I'd be like, popsicles for all my friends. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like, you know, whatever we could get to like, just be like, we're, we're all in this together. And I learned that from the kind, wonderful other people that I've worked with who showed me the way, you know, you, you remain. And, and then when you are having a hard day, watch how they, circle wagons for you. Yeah, and band together. Everyone has a hard day. I think what I love most about hearing, excuse me, hearing your low is that I, I love that knowing because it's so true. And I think most people don't give it enough power. Your presence anywhere matters. Someone else's present presence equally matters. That humanity, that gratitude matters. If the people at the top are not coming with heart forward, like, Everybody here is contributing to making something great, whether they're the smallest part on the stage, you know, as an extra, whether they're the boom grip guy, whether they're the day players onward up to the A-listers, the energy that you bring matters. And just by not being, you know, bad days are what they are. They are bad days. But if you can size somebody up to being like, no, this is a generous person who is having a bad day, that is very different than going this is a pain in the ass narcissist who doesn't want anyone to have a good time unless he says so or she says so. 
when you are dealing with those people, it really is, energy is powerful. It can make your low points in your life. And on a grander scale as artists and as creators and as just human beings, like talk about learning how to create boundaries for yourself. But in your environment, you don't always have that choice where it's like, yeah, some of my lows are, are tied into a high, which is getting the job. And then only to find out that this job blows, I'm grateful for the job and I'm grateful for the paycheck and I'm grateful for the opportunity, but it blows because Joe Schmo over there is making everybody miserable. (laughs) There's a lot to be said for the power of human beings and the exchange of energy. And that sometimes a low isn't necessarily like, oh, I got fired per se. Like you said, it's like, right. Like I said, it was like, as it, that seems like it would have been the lowest point of my career, but it really wasn't. wasn't. It was just sort of like, it was a wake up call. That was just a wake up call for me of like, you got to get your priorities straight of what's really important for you. So I could continue. And so I take that as a gift. The lows are when I've been in a situation where I cannot, uh, escape somebody's relentless negativity. Wow. Yeah. I can see that. Because then you can't do the job and I cannot name names. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't, had, I wouldn't you know, even ask. No, <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think you were. I was just sort of saying that to the group, but like of, you know, that it, that's, that makes a big difference. Well, and what an, a powerful takeaway for people who are listening, you know, your energy matters on, on every level. It matters because you could be someone else's low point and that sucks. A lot. And it's so funny. I, when I was on that tiny, tiny indie, uh, there was a night we had to shoot in Soho. <laughs> we had to shoot in, no, we've been doing nights, like so many nights. We're shooting at this nightclub in Soho. I had been up so long and been doing so many things. And I had like tried to have more coffee. Like my stomach was like, no thanks. I totally like <laughs> I call. I'm like, I'm going to be late. I just like, like I need to see what's happening. Like, am I sick? Or was it just like another, like my cup, my body said no more coffee. So thank God that's what it was. I'm like dealing with like horrible stuff on the phone. Like I'm far away from my kids and some bad stuff's happening that like, at, at like, you know, that they're unhappy about. So I'm dealing with that. I get to work. I actually have a great time at this like set on in Soho, like this crazy downtown nightclub thing. But now we got to go at 2 a.m. to another location up in the Upper East Side. And we don't start shooting there until like 4. So we shoot from 4 a.m. until 8 or whatever. And I'm literally like falling asleep in my chair. I'm so mad that we have to like go do this. So mad so angry but i you know get there and my makeup artist is putting makeup on like changing my look and the you know the props people are there everybody's doing their job everybody's doing their job which inspired me like i gotta do my job like they're gonna show up and do their job you gotta show up and do your job they're doing it to make you look good in this scene and make you look a certain way or make it whatever and they can do it. You can do it too. You're not going to die here, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that inspired me to like, go. I don't get to be the shitty person right now. Mm, I adore you. What would you say has been or is currently now your definition of success? And has that word changed for you over your career at any point? The word has definitely changed because what I thought was successful. I mean, like when I was 
up for private practice, you know, or when I was on the pilot, like there's like rumors. Like I remember I was like at my bachelor party and there's like rumors and in the national Enquirer, the magazines we got for the pool. Like I was like, Ooh, like I'm in a rumor. I'm in like, you know, like us, you know, reportedly, you know, like there was like buzz and shit. And I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. You know? So what I, what I, I thought that was success and that's not success. That's just like, you know, because cut to when I got, when I got this is the best, when, you know, I was replaced by the lovely Audrey McDonald. I was getting my nails done with my girlfriend. She took me because I was like so upset and down and I'm like flipping through like a magazine and there was like out stamped on my face. <laughs> like from a, <laughs> you're all that turned so quickly. <laughs> that turned so quickly. Cause it was news and they loved it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, that's what, you know, that, okay. That, you know, out. that's not success. Out, out. Like, you know, like that, like red totally. stamp, you know? And, uh, I was like, wow, you know, wow. Heart, you know? And, uh, so what, what, what is successful is a personal satisfaction at a job well done, mm. you know, whether it's an audition you know, like I, if I leave an audition and I leave it on, like, I'm like, I was like, there's a Charles Sterling thing that I learned in my acting class that like, you have 15 minutes to do, to act, act. Don't complain about it. Like who cares? It's five o'clock in Santa Monica. Like act, you get, you have an opportunity to do your thing. Right. Fucking go do it. Right. Because, and also so many times it's like, doesn't matter if it was that, I can't tell you how many times it wasn't that job, but it was like seven jobs later. Like those people call, you know, like, my friend was, you know, saying today, like, I can't believe I had to read for such and such. I knew that they would always hire the same people. And I go, always doing a good tape for that particular person See is that? amazing. And I, I'm like, I've never been hired by this fat person until this year right. in my secret project, you know? So, um, <laughs> you know, you have those opportunities to just to like, so whether it's the audition that is successful, cause then I can walk away and be like, I don't care if I don't get it because I was great. I was great in that room. I was great. I had a great time. I, I had a great time. So I know you had a great time because it was, a, it was a good time. And uh, if it's not this, it's going to be something else. So that's the thing. It's like a, a satisfaction and a job well done is success. Well, and I think to your point too, I think when you're approaching anything creatively from a career standpoint that way, it really cuts into the idea of rejection a lot more. Like it takes away the power of the rejection, right? Because if you're going, I did my part and it was awesome and I feel good about it. If you don't book it, now you just weren't the right person, like for whatever reason. But it's and it's always that. And it's so funny because like when I do that, I walk away and I forget. Like I right. literally got a call. <laughs> and then I you get like the meditating. call back and you're like, wait, for what? <laughs> no, I was like, I because I meditate a lot. That ha- that that happened right after I got released. I started meditating and that changed everything. But I was meditating and I woke and I like, you know, came out of my thing and my phone rang and I saw it was my manager. And I'm like, hey, and he's like, you're you know, they're going to hire you for big little lies. And I was like, what, which, what? Like, I don't like, and it wasn't all like, what, like, oh my God, it was like, which one is that? Yeah. Like, I literally didn't remember because <laughs> I had forgotten because it was pilot season. It was like a bunch of stuff happening. And he's like, no, and the Nicole Kidman thing. And I was like, what? You know, like, but I, you know, when you do that, you can, and, and that's, I'm lucky enough that I have, I have so many auditions when it's cooking. I have so many auditions that you cannot hang on to everyone. It's like when you are on a dating app or what, and there's a bunch of things coming in. Right. 
it's different than when there's just the one person that you're putting all your eggs in that basket. Right. So, you know, or people who, you know, that I know who have had jobs, uh, like, you know, regular people jobs for 25 years and then that job goes away, then it's like, oh my God, like that next interview is everything. And I said, it's not everything, you know, because I, I've been through so many hoops that it's like the right one will come because that's all about being in the right time. Like when you sort of start to see like, oh, I don't know if that's an age thing or a meditation thing or, or both thing, but I am never not where I'm supposed to be. Whether it's at the grocery store or on this podcast with you, or I'm always where I'm supposed to be. I love it. What a, and what a great way to build the confidence of the journey that you're on. Because if you if you're coming from a place of I am where I'm supposed to be, the anxiety is somehow reduced. You know, the stress of am I doing enough? Am I doing that? like reduced? I'm not going to say it goes away entirely, but it, it's giving you a balance but- to the concerns of. That like the the big question: Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? When you have that kind of um, foundational faith of like I'm in my time, a lot of that, from my perspective, seems like it just takes a deep breath and an exhale, and it just kind of gives you some room. Yeah, I mean, it for sure, for sure, and you know, because there's been many, many times that like I had gotten to a place of you know, like, Oh God, I should do something else. Should I do something else? Should I do something else? And like, you know, my, my therapist was like, you have to stop asking that question now because you have had enough example of, you know, enough work that whether you, you know, you may never, I may never be, you know, the new girl, I may never be the number one on the big TV show. I may never be, you know, Meredith gray, but I will, always work at this point because I I have done it long enough and shown up enough and done enough good work that like, that's your path. And there might be big swaths of time that you don't work, but I will work. And I have to trust that that's the thing. So when I, you know, I'm not working and you know, it's, I can enjoy that, which is. Yeah. And enjoy your baking with confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. You know, my very last question for you. Having had the journey that you have had to this point, what is something you would tell your younger self? I mean, it's a lot of what I've already said. Um, you know, really the faith, having having faith in your abilities um, that persistence or that luck comes at the uh, corner of persistence and opportunity and to, uh, I, I guess the one, here's the thing that I would say, relax, mm. relax. Because I was very intense in the beginning. And it's funny. Cause I go, I mean, we haven't had auditions in person in a long time, but when I did have them, I loved seeing people. I love seeing the same. We we have, you know, there's like just, you've been doing it long enough. Now we're knocking around because it's not a competition. It's not a competition. And I know that actors always say like, I don't believe in like taking this award away from, you know, like it's, because it's not there. Everything is so, it's not a competition. And I remember I learned that along the way that like, you know, I was testing for something and I didn't get it and I was devastated. And again, my therapist was like, it's not a competition. It's not the Olympics. You were not 
actually faster that day. You were not actually physically better that day. Like unless you literally were ill when you went in and you physically just weren't enough, as long as you were prepared, you, you know, so relax. Like you don't have to aggressively, I was really aggressively competitive and intense in the beginning. And I, I remember like my sophomore year, my, my roommates were like, you got to chill. Like, you know, cause I was so like, <laughs> you know, and you don't have to attack acting in your art that way. It doesn't have to be, it's not a fight. You know, uh, I had to ch- channel that in another way. Like just relax, relax. It's all going to be there. If you just breathe, it's all going to be there. You know, it's all coming, but you know, some of that just comes with age and yeah, you know, and uh, example and well, and that's why um, that's why I do ask that question because I think for everybody, we're all the oldest we've ever been. Any day of the week, we are now the oldest we have ever been. We have learned exponentially more from yesterday in whatever way that needed to happen, and so I think that's the wisdom I love talking about with somebody of today looking at themselves whatever time whether it was as a kid in college a year ago you know there is something to impart on that person that matters to who we are and part of that growth is is something that you know i hope well, at least our feedback has been that you know people who listen get a lot from that kind of feedback because as they're the ones that are growing into the oldest they've ever been they're going oh here's somebody who who has achieved things that i'm working at getting to and that's a note I, I can I, take with me. Go on. No, go on. I, that's just a valuable note. It is. But I, if I were listening to this podcast at 23, I would eschew what I had just said because, well, of course you could say that. Look at her. Look at what the <laughs> success that she's had and whatever. Like, of course you can say relax, you know, because it's not about relaxing. I got stuff to do. And it's like, I get it. And like getting your hustle on is, is, is super important too. You know, knowing, uh, I guess it's more about like dividing your time and finding the moments to like, to really set a schedule for yourself of like, okay, so I work because it's hard when you're an actor and you have, you know, you're not like when you have an audition or something that gives you like actual work to do, you know, um, unless you're, doing, you know, little jobs, which of course we all did like waitressing and personal assistant and whatever the hell, you know, but what, if you say, okay, so let's say I work Monday through Friday at my, my bullshit jobs and my acting, well, then I take the weekend or like if I'm working Wednesday through Sunday at my, you know, then I take those, but to, to go and at least make one day, no work, no acting work, no Getting headshots, no running scenes, no acting class, no nothing. I wish I had known that to really honor the time to stop. The rest, the rest time. The rest. I guess, and that's what I mean by the relax. Like it doesn't all have to, even, I I mean, unless when I say that, as I'm like, I have so much still to do in this house. (laughs) And like, you know, like, you know, I'm mopping every floor earlier and like I gotta hang those pictures today and put all the baking stuff in the console you know (laughs) um it all doesn't have to be done and it's Rome was not built in a day so like take a break yeah I think that is such 
sage, wise advice, because even on the grandest scale of the grandest stories, even God rested. Yes. <laughs> he went, and today Completely. we rest. And today we rest. And, you know, and it's very, very hard. And I, I was, I was married to somebody who was also in the business and a cameraman. And so, you know, we used to struggle with the in-between gig time, you know, to really enjoy the in-between gig time, because then all of a sudden the gigs come in and you're so busy and then, da, 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 and then you're like, okay, because then it's like, oh, well, when's the next gig coming? So you get really anxious about that. And that is understandable because it's a thing that's very fluid with the money and the thing. And that, you know, until you get to a place like, you know, somebody said, what's your dream job? And I go, one that lasts for seven years, you know, like I have not had a series that like totally went on and on like that, you know, but, um, but yes, yes. <laughs> but I have, I've always, always had what I've needed. And I've been very, very lucky to like be able to go, okay. You know, but some of that came from like, hustling hard in the beginning and not resting and not relaxing and not giving myself a break. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how, I don't know if I would have changed anything, but if I would have changed anything, it would have been that it would have been saying like, you get a day, you get a day, you either get a day or you go every day. You know, and I had to do that during the pandemic. I'd say, okay, you get up, you, you work out you do your walk, you, you know, I was not somebody who stayed in their pajamas all day long or, um, watch TV all day long, but by three o'clock, I'd always have this like sort of meeting with some ladies on the like zoom. We did a zoom. And then I was like, my day ends at four. Unless like something pressing, but I made my day. I was like, that's your work day. Now you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. To not. So I had a balance of not just being a sloth, but also not like well, over fixating you know. on all the things, right? Well, and I think I think that on a human level, that's something we all we all need that advice, whether it's creative careers or whether it's just personal lifestyle. Balance is the key. I mean, in my opinion, it's the key to making the most well-rounded life, the most fulfilling life all the way around. Because if you're finding balance, you are diving into your craft. You are being creative. You are being a mother. You are being yeah. a you know, house person, but an athletic person, a adventuresome person, a homebody person. Like if we're finding balance, we have a better shot of living the fullest adventure, I think. I think so too. You are just a dream boat as always ah! for the first day I met you <laughs> on. Can, come on. We could do this like all day. Oh, I mean, honestly, easy. Like, That's like, why what? I said to you, I'm like, this is going to be so fun and easy. I loved it. <laughs> I, for the people who are listening, Marin, we had a, a date and she was like, oh my God, my shower. I need to shower. I'm like, your girl, no one is going to see you. You just take your time. This is fun. It's easy. We just talk. It's just hanging out. I was a mess though. I mean, like for <laughs> real. So I was like, I mobbed every floor in this house. I was like, not fresh, not fresh. <laughs> I tell you, where should people listening um, be as obsessed with you as I am? Should they, where should they follow your socials or your sites I, or any of the always, things? I have to look it up because I don't ever remember. I think I'm on a, uh, real Marin D is my, uh, Twitter handle, I believe. Is it? Yep. 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 <laughs> real Marin D and real, real Marin Dungy is, uh, the Instagram. I love it. 
We will be sure to include yes. those links for you so people Please, can find you, you and fall in love with you as I have. Um, when are you coming back to town? When do I see you again? Um, I'm bugging Curtis to put up the show. I think Hotel Cafe is open in July. So we're early fall. We can hang out, get some coffee, talk all the things. Please do. Will you please yeah. text me and say, and I'll I'm in town. probably come to spin and we'll just sweat it out together but, too. But yes, but like all of the things. Okay. Good. I look forward to it. Of course we will. Yes. You are the loveliest of lovelies. Thank you for being my guest and sharing oh your God, beautiful you. story and journey and all your amazing adventures and your Meryl Streep tale, which will go down <laughs> in icon history. Um, thank you. You're it's the like a 90 part. minute episode. It's like, I don't know. You have to two part it. No, know that's okay. That's what we do. We just chat and we get into all the goods. So thank you I love for being it. Thank my guest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Candace. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Yes, please. All right, my dear. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Today's episode was recorded at and brought to you by Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Raven Sound Studio is a professionally equipped audio production facility offering recording, mixing, and mastering services throughout northern Arizona and surrounding areas. Whether you are looking to cut a demo, record your next single, or have a full album produced, Raven Sound Studio has the tools and skills you need to get the job done. For more information, head to www.ravensoundstudio.com to book a session or schedule a tour. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us? Or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. To get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming, your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.